Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. All right, so for today, today is kind of a, I wouldn't say different. I mean, we're still on our theme. We're hitting on a therapist, a, a clinical psychologist. Yep. What's kind of what's kind of cool about this one, though, is this is actually a real life psychologist who was written into comics. So my jealousy quota has like spiked through the roof. <laughs> that's very that's pretty meta, right? So all right, so I, I just want to make sure I understand here because. the characters in a few issues but i tried to look up more information on this character and it turns out this is a a real life person so uh batgirl's therapist is who we're going to be talking about so in the new 52 batgirl sees a therapist and i think it's just two episodes episodes in two in two comics yep two issues Um, Two issues, uh, 16 and 20, for those who are wanting to read up on it. And her therapist is Dr. Letamendi. Although in there it's Latamendi. They swapped the first two vowels. But from what I've read, that might have been a, an accidental thing to have occurred. Okay. Um, yeah. But but essentially, uh, so she's someone who has consulted and uh, talked about even before we were here, if you can believe it, other people had this idea too. Uh, she actually has her own podcast and talks about uh, Batman and psychology and stuff. And so I, I believe it was a comic book writer that had asked to consult and, you know, she gave some tips too and they wrote her into some comics. And how well, freaking cool. cool is that? I know, right? So hit us up, people. We are to open to consult. <laughs> yeah, put, put Doc Brown in, in your okay. comics. Definitely. So yeah, so th- she's only in two issues, and I believe it's mm-hmm. the uh, it's the 2011 New 52 Batgirl. Yes, it's mm-hmm. it's a really interesting time because like that's when Batgirl actually came back because before I think someone else had the mantle of Batgirl because Barbara Gordon had become Oracle, but for this specific continuity, everything that happened in the Killing Joke still happened. However she does regain her ability to walk and continues crime fighting. So for those of you less familiar, I personally think Oracle is far more badass, but you know, that's just me. She's amazing. But essentially you have Batgirl who is Barbara Gordon. um, And she fights crime. Then actually through nothing to do with being Batgirl, because she's Commissioner Gordon's daughter, the Joker shoots her in The Killing Joke, and she gets paralyzed. She's unable to move her legs. I think she's still able to move her arms from what I remember. Right. Yes. She just loses okay. the ability to walk. Yes. And so what's super cool is she still she still helps everybody. She becomes the Oracle, and she's behind the scenes. Her voice is everywhere. She 
essentially when she shifts out of Oracle back to Batgirl when she has use of her legs, I'm not sure how anyone functions anymore because she yeah. was so amazing. Yeah, because she was like the the bat families like she was with the because she did stuff with the bat family she did Mm -hmm. stuff with a lot of stuff with birds of prey Mm -hmm. and she was just like the the hacker the planner mission control like she just she was a jack of all trades yep master of all trades i know right yeah, like she was she she was good at all of it. Like she was really untouchable. And I I really loved Oracle like when they brought her in because when it comes to that community, I feel like it's underrepresented. And so 100%, 100%. For, for her to be such a badass, I thought it was something that was really really cool. She had a disability and yet she was amazing and I would say for all these teams they would say she was irreplaceable. And and absolutely. I I would say that um, you know, the representation's getting better. Yeah. But yeah, I think there were a lot of people disappointed that that Oracle went away. I mean, yay, she she can walk again. You know, we we enjoy that, but you know, there there are plenty of little kids and hey, grown-ups like us who also read comics who don't have full use of their bodies or they don't have all of the the limbs or body parts that right. the quote average person has and yeah that representation must be really nice to see out there yeah and so it's um this this storyline takes place of course it the the joker has come back at this point mm-hmm. in the story and barbara's kind of having a bit of a hard time with it i mean he oh, man so as she so, which is fair so part, yeah, totally fair. I mean, this is the guy who paralyzed her for so long. Um, so, uh, and, and to add to this, so this is the death of the family storyline, not death in the family. I know it's ridiculous. There's death in the family and there's death of the family. Let me tell you, death of the family will mess with your brain. It was The, the it, Joker yeah. is, oh man. Yeah. yeah. And he's terrifying because he's, his face was been cut off. And so he yeah. has like... Yeah, it's a whole thing. But like, yeah, what's interesting about it is Joker's plan in Death of the Family is basically to get Batman alone and without the Mm -hmm. Bat family. So he does stuff to interfere with his relationship with all of the different Robins, with Barbara, even messes with Alfred for a bit. And so a lot of stuff happens in that. And it's a really interesting run with tons of side stories. It's funny because... DC like they 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 did this whole this whole thing and whenever I read a story it always feels like such a gimmick because to get the full <laughs> absolute story it's like oh you got to buy issues 16 mm-hmm. and 20 of this one in addition to that and by the end you've bought like 125 dollars worth of comics and you're just happy and reading it and so it worked but yeah death of the family was pretty pretty interesting and issue 16 was death of the family for batgirl and that's when we first see her therapist yeah and so what i really okay the therapist is not in there that much just to warn you um but what i really like about it is it's so realistic in terms of of batgirl barbara except she's she's going as barbara gordon to therapy um she's not 
just okay. <laughs> you wouldn't just, if you could snap your fingers and you have the use of limbs back that you didn't have before, that doesn't erase everything that's happened to you. And there's even a book that's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about how how trauma holds within the body. And and even if you have these be, bit big healing physical moments, I mean, there was a lot that happened. And the Joker is back in this new storyline really pulling for all that he's he's pulling for that trauma in her so hardcore and she's essentially seeing this this therapist to to try and help manage the fact that she can walk again and and honestly probably the fact that walking again hasn't fixed everything for her yeah because and it's a little bit of everything hitting too because yet yeah, she's getting over that she's dealing with some things with her dad she's dealing with some mm-hmm. things with her brother which yep. yeah james gordon jr is oh man we'll, we're gonna do an episode on him at some point with this podcast that's that's he's all the I'll... child everyone is afraid they will have yes <laughs> yes he's yeah it's that that's about that's it that's the description that's the description (laughs) and so obviously there are a lot of issues there but this therapist is like very open and very receiving of whatever information she Mm. is given so i don't believe she doesn't know that (laughs) barbara is batgirl but she is helping barbara with all of the issues that are actually on the table it's really interesting how they write it too because as barbara's talking to her in the text boxes you see what barbara's thinking and how Mm -hmm. it's the what she's telling versus what's happening is is really fun to see yeah it is very interesting because even at one point she to her credit she's she's trying to open up to the therapist despite the fact that there's a lot she can't say or won't say yeah. uh like at one point she's really struggling with feeling like she deserves to be batgirl and and be a part of all this and so she describes being a volunteer and struggling with deserving to wear her volunteer uniform or whatnot and so i mean she she kind of helps the therapist and and it is cool to see We've talked about this before. I mean, I I started off naive thinking, oh, if I'm someone's therapist, they're just, you know, going to tell me everything. And then we talk about it. And now I'm like, no one's going to tell me the full truth. That's not how things work. Right. There's there's two sides to every story. There are 20 sides to every story. Right. And, and you can even try to be telling me the 100% truth and you're just not going to do that because perceptions are so different you don't know all the information and let alone that you know what i go to my doctor and i know very well that i'm supposed to tell them the stuff going on and i still don't tell them everything or i kind of you know shake something off or there's this just weird thing about being human when you're around another human that sometimes you get in your own way yeah so so what's cool is yeah you see this example of that here very plainly and and you get to see a therapist maneuver around that and still be helpful despite some very obvious limitations it's funny because i know that you you have to deal with this all the time let me ask you doc brown would it be weird if you actually got a patient that came in and told you every single thing hmm so, so here's the reason I pause. You, you so, never know, right? 
I mean, I guess you never know. Uh, but so, okay. So, so I, I work in general with a higher proportion of people who have uh, severe and persistent mental illness compared to your average everyday therapist just based on the job that I do. And, and so the reason I pause is sometimes, so sometimes the things we struggle with are also some of our greatest assets. And, you know, for some people, they really struggle with their thought processes and communicating with people. But sometimes what you get is a very honest, upfront person. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the sad yet honestly endearing thing that can happen, though, is that can actually cause problems in a lot of areas of life if you're just super upfront and you don't really have these filters. People aren't used to it and it can make them uncomfortable or they they assume the filters there. So, oh man, if you're sharing this, it must be even bigger than what you're describing. And so, so weird, interesting things happen, but in therapy, it's, it's kind of refreshing in some ways when you, when you get someone who's just straight up about stuff. But even then, like I was saying before, even then, even if you're someone who doesn't tend to filter things, uh, you have your own views of what's going on. And it's kind of like, uh, let's say you and a few other people are looking at an object in the middle of a room, but but you're kind of in a circle around the object. You're all going to describe, unless that object is, is looks the exact same from all angles, which means the lighting on it needs to be the same from all angles. It means all sorts of things. Um, and unless you all have the same eyesight and the same um, perception of color, et cetera, et cetera, you're you're gonna describe it in different variations from each other, even though it's the exact same object in your in the exact same room. That's a very good that's a very good point. And on top of that, your therapist is reading you the same time that you're honestly mm-hmm. reading your therapist. I remember there was one time <laughs> I I went this was years ago, I went to a therapist and I'm sitting there talking to him and I just go, I'm sorry, I am just the absolute worst. And he, his response was, you're not the worst, Keaton. And I replied, "That that's very kind of you to say. But deep down, <laughs> I very much knew that I was the absolute worst. And he was saying that to be nice. I wasn't uh-huh. thinking about the other five patients he had that day and what shape they mm-hmm. were in. I was just yep. 100% sure yep. that I was the absolute worst. And he was very kind to lie to me and say that I wasn't. oh yeah we've all been there and and that's the thing too is and what's actually really cool when you see barbara gordon working with this therapist as well she's she's not fully on board i mean she's she's trying but she's not purely there because she wants to grow and move through what's happening and by the way even when people do we're still stubborn we're still humans we still have our own beliefs like you were talking about getting stuck and saying this is the way it is this person's lying or they're mistaken or there's some other reason that they're they don't see it the way i do but she even mentions at one point she one of the what we sometimes call secondary motivators one of the other reasons she's coming to therapy other than the growth from therapy is just to get her dad off her back yeah. And and you know what? That's a very common reason 
that people come to treatment. Usually there's more than one reason. It's sometimes it's you've got someone that's on your back or someone's really concerned and you just want them to worry less or pester you less or whatever it might be. Sometimes there's, you know, to be honest, sometimes when it comes to tracking the fact that you have an issue. And so unfortunately in our system, it's it's hard to financially sustain yourself in the United States if you're not a pretty high functioning person that can do pretty high functioning things on a daily basis through work. Oh yeah. And so sometimes, you know, so sometimes people are coming to treatment so that things get logged and tracked so that they can hopefully get financial support in other ways. Um, there's a lot of different motivators that that might happen for people in addition to uh, just wanting to get better. And so you see that with her a little bit in here too. Yeah. And it's cool. You can tell she cares about Barbara because in the second, in the second issue, Barbara just storms into her office unplanned, un- oh, yeah, right. unannounced. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not really a thing, is it? Like they, I feel like every show or movie that has yeah, right. a therapist, that's a trope that always happens. Someone just busts into their office and sits down and starts talking to them. Like there are, <laughs> there's a reception area, there's security guards. Yeah. Like that's not a thing, is it? Well, there's not always security guards, but yeah, okay. there tends to be a reception area or a locked door or a door. Right. Sometimes it's locked, sometimes it's not. But yeah, so I mean, there are times when emergencies come up. You know, I, I've had times where I have to tell someone, hey, I'm so sorry. I I had an emergency come up. I need to deal with the situation. So there are times when you have to to flex or leave time for things. But yeah, you're right. It, we we try and make it very clear from the get-go what kind of services we are and are not. Mm-hmm. And so just like there's a difference between your primary care doctor and an urgent care or an, or, or an ER, same thing here. There's a difference between the, okay, I've got my, my everyday kind of check-ins with stuff. Oh, I have a crisis or I have a situation that needs something more immediately. Now, sometimes, you know, let's say you're meeting with someone every two to three weeks, something's come up. Hey, can we meet a little bit more often for a bit? Sometimes that's feasible to do. But yeah, there's usually not this in the moment. We try and and warn people when when we're not a service that provides that immediate response, Mm -hmm. making sure people know about like the National Crisis Line, which thankfully they made an easier to remember number, the 988 number. Yes. You know, we we try and make sure that people think of their urgent cares, their local ERs, their friends and family who can help them connect. Because, yeah, you can't just rely on just strolling into someone's office or into their home at any moment. And in this, she does even mention, you know, essentially, like, I I know I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. And, And the therapist says, we can we can deal with the boundaries later. Let's deal with the crisis now, which is a good way of approaching it. Uh, and there are times, once again, that we can flex. It's just, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's not one of those things where you can just kind of stroll right in whenever. Because think about it. You might be entering midway through someone else's crisis, for all you know. Yeah. And it, at one point, it's funny because she just kind of barges into her office. And and what does she say? She's like, Barbara, have you been drinking? <laughs> you don't drink. <laughs> and then... I think the follow up because Barbara asked for coffee. She's like, "But you don't drink coffee either." Like it's 
it's like Barbara's just having the 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 worst day, day, and her yeah. therapist is just on top of it. She's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, mm-hmm. this isn't right, and that certainly isn't right. Like she just. Yep. I don't even see her with a notepad or anything in this second she, issue. In oh, the, in the second issue, in yeah. In the second issue, in the in the uh, because and and she's just like, yeah, this 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 girl's going, she's going through it, but she's very kind and mm-hmm. very accepting because I feel like in real life, it would be difficult for a a therapist to just get walked in on and be like, yes, yeah, sure come on in and have a seat because y'all have problems too right like what like y'all have to call your mechanic because you have an issue with your car like you you... i really love and appreciate that you see us as humans as well because you know sometimes we forget that the people we see for stuff we're also human yeah you know you never know and that's the thing is it's um if you have a job that's set up for more of that kind of walk-in thing once again, it's set up in a certain way and, and you usually have a certain uh, network of resources and scheduling that, that makes that feasible. But yeah, especially if you have kind of more structured time, it can make it trickier. And, and, you know, we are human and it, it, at times maybe you do have the, in the back of your head, oh man, I need to help this person. I don't want to just shift to the next thing, but I also have these other responsibilities or things that I'm also trying to track that were on the docket before. And so it does add another layer that I think can can honestly make it tricky to do what this therapist does, which is it's still very much important to treat a person as a person, meet someone where they're at, and try and get them through that current moment. Sometimes it might mean taking some time. Other times it might mean scheduling another appointment or setting someone up so they have other supports. Because there are different layers and levels uh, of need that come up. And also part of our job is to help people learn and build and grow those natural supports where they don't need to reach out for these higher level, more immediate, emergent kinds of things because we want to hit on a problem before it gets to that point. Yeah. And and <laughs> one, of, one of the things, too. All of this happened, and and in in this issue, like there's the barge in, and she's <laughs> dealing with it, and the entire time I'm sitting there thinking, how many patients does she have? This is still mm. Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> the people that can afford therapy there, 100% need it. The people that can't afford therapy there, 1,000. 100%. Percent oh. <laughs> needed. Like, yep. mm-hmm. like, how many different patients does she have? And because, like, she's she's probably doing just fine as far as being able to keep <laughs> keep work. Mm. Like, it's one of those yeah. it's one of those fields where there might always be an opening <laughs> and an you opening know, for it. It is one of those fields, uh, at least at this point in in our history, for sure. And and we don't know much about her. You know, keep in mind, not everyone's 100% clinical. She she does seem set up in kind of a private practice kind of way. It seems like she's got, you know, her own private office somewhere. Uh, but we don't really get many of those details about her. Uh, the thing about private practice is, I mean, you can set up your own schedule in terms of when you see people, how many people you see. On the flip side, sometimes it's harder to, to limit yourself when you're the one with the off switch. Because you know there are the people out there who could use it, and especially if uh, if they're 
if there's a shortage of providers, which unfortunately we're all aware is a pretty common issue these days, it can be it can be hard to limit yourself. But as you beautifully put earlier, we are also humans. So you have to have the off switch. You have to have times where you're off the clock. Um, yeah, I mean, all the things that we try and, and, and teach and help people learn so that they are well balanced. We have to do those for ourselves or we're not going to be able to continue helping people. Yeah. Gosh, gosh. I, I just, I, I can't imagine what the, I honestly, I don't, I don't know how y'all do it because as a teacher, whenever I have students that come in and they're having a bad day, I think about that student all day. Mm. I'm like, I hope that their day gets fixed. I hope things yeah. get better. You have to get hit with whatever they're going through, take care of it, or make a long-term plan for it, set it aside, and then the next person walks in. Rinse and repeat, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it can be hard. I have to say that Different things hit hit different people. Um, I mean, there there are certain kind of common threads that I think for a lot of us would would be hard to hear. But um, you know, yeah, diff- different different things kind of hit different tones. And and actually, one of the things that I always really so so I help with like training up and coming psychologists, uh, and also you know when when I consult or or connect with other therapist, you know, one of the things to keep aware of is when are you holding on to things? Because there are going to be certain things that, yeah, it's hard to let go of. And what is that telling you? And so sometimes it's telling you that you need better self-care. Sometimes it's telling you that there's something missing or something that needs to be explored that hasn't been quite hit on yet. Sometimes it maybe means that, hey, I didn't quite do this in the way that I wish I had, and it's a learning opportunity. I mean, there could be a lot of different things, but those are the you you kind of get to a point where you get used to the flow and and find the way to kind of help and maneuver between, but you do have to watch out for taking it home with you. And sometimes you're going to, it's, it's life. You, it's certain things you're going to take home with you, but you need to find your way through it or yeah, it's just going to add up and up and up and up and up. And then you're not going to be able to help anybody because you're just overwhelmed with it all. That's a good point. Did you, did you say that you have other therapists or psychologists that you help like train and mentor? So I work with trainees. There are different levels of trainees. I work with some that are still in graduate school, so their first few years, and then uh, also on internship, which kind which is kind of like your last hurrah mm-hmm. before you can become a real life uh, clinical psychologist. Which is actually it, it's really fun because it's kind of what you're talking about, Keaton, where people that are still in those earlier stages and and they're learning how do I. What are the things that help me put this down at the end of the day? What are the things that I can use that I, I'm teaching to other people that, you know, make, making sure you practice what you preach and um, helping to solidify those different skills and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, essentially kind of uh, mentoring the next generation of, of psychologists. So you heard it here, everyone, right now. The bat therapist has Robin therapists. It's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. Stay tuned. I, I, 
I was once talking to someone else, um, and, and I was talking about, isn't it so great? You know, you have your little minions, and you teach them all to be like you, and they were like, is that really how you think of it? So maybe, maybe that is what I'm doing. Let's say, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little Batman. Maybe. Yeah. I approach, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, Robin, Robins sound better than minions, though. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'll go with Robins next time. And essential, a lot of the times, the Robins end up in a better place mentally <laughs> than Batman. So there we go. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with our wonderful there bat therapist. There you go. But yeah, that is, that's yeah. fun. That's, <laughs> that's fun. I gotta, yeah, we're, we're gonna have to do an episode where I just, it's all about you. It's all about you and <laughs> everything. So yeah, this is, but this is still, this is still really blowing, blowing my mind though, that, this this therap this really awesome therapist that's in this book is also a real person. Like I was, I it was funny because I I tried to Google her and it was just her. It was just actually the the person that kept popping up. I was like, huh, mm-hmm. that's new. I can't imagine like Googling Bruce Wayne is just like a plumber out there. It's like, yeah, I'm Bruce Wayne. <laughs> like, yeah, but come on, you're not. Come on, but yeah, she's the real. She's the real. Yeah. The real deal. Yep, they based it off of her. It's real cool. Um, yeah, it, it it's definitely a, a very neat thing, and 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 I like. So I I mean there were a few imperfections in there that that kind of stood out to me that I can hit on in a little bit, but okay. overall I thought it was a good a good representation, like you said, a, a caring person who's connecting, who's kind of meeting Barbara Gordon where she's at. And I like when there are these real life examples that people try and stem things off of uh, versus, oh, Keaton. So one one of our episodes that has come out this season, we talk about dissociative identity disorder, in fact, in multiple. Mm-hmm. And on the television the other day, I heard that <laughs> someone talk about dissociative personality disorder. And I was like. That's not what you mean. Oh, actually, it was a news person. Oh. My husband was listening to it, and I was like, that person didn't do their research. You should not listen to that anymore. <laughs> oh, boy. So, oh, so it's, no. it, it's, nice. it's nice when people, you know, when you connect to the real life thing. Because hopefully, you know, one of the, the arts to being an author, to, to creating these stories, is a lot of it's coming from the, the imagination, but I love that it's, it's stemmed in reality. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, I that's got to be rough like hearing like when when you're a specialist. It, I know it's 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 rough for me like the having a science background. Whenever I hear bad just completely bad uh-huh. science, I'm like, "Oh uh-huh. my god." Like that's that, really hard. I'm like, "Oh it's my so god, this, this YouTube video is getting so many reviews and they're just giving all this bad information, but they're saying it in a funny way." And people are just like, "Yeah, this guy, this guy just has it all right and so i'm sure you feel that way and that is why you all should help us spread the word on our podcast (laughs) because then we can have all of these listens and everything on something where the information is correct yes but still be fun yes there you go so you said that they that you had some um the 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 issues yeah, I, I had two things that just kind of stood out to me Okay. that honestly I think are a little bit on the nitpickier side. I think overall it was a good representation. And hey, she didn't sleep with anybody, so hey, I'm on board. look at that. Look it's at ridiculous. Look Let's at stop that. the trope. 
let's stop the trope of the therapist and the mental health people sleeping with their their clients and patients. It's a terrible thing when it happens, and we don't need to promote that. Anyway, <laughs> um, so one of the things that stood out to me, uh, which I also in this, so in the first issue we talked about number 16 i think it was you were mentioning that she doesn't take notes in the second one with the crisis stuff and mm-hmm. actually that i like where uh i actually a lot of times have my computer screen up and i might even have someone's chart open um especially the first few times that i meet with them and i always explain to them so you know i'm gonna ask a lot of questions i want to make sure i don't miss anything i don't want to forget anything so i might kind of turn and da da da. so sometimes you might be writing things in a chart or making notes like she does in in that first issue she comes up other times not so great you know say there's a crisis moment or other things happening it might be good to put those things aside because it might kind of give the wrong impression or pull the focus or something. So so you might be writing, you might not. It's That's not a right or wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But she writes in in her notes in, in the uh, issue 16, progress remains painfully slow. Oof. Which feels a little judgy. It does. I don't think, yeah. I don't think, judge. I hope a therapist would really write that. Painfully so, slow. <laughs> Maybe it's her journal. Maybe it was her, instead of it being. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. There, there's a difference between what goes officially into your chart and and notes that a therapist might have to just kind of help them track different kind of details. They have to be kept completely separate for them to count as separate. I.e., if someone says, "I request the records," you know, if you request your own records or there's a bench warrant requesting your records, they get the stuff in your chart. Um, but you can have some freeform notes because we're human beings and we don't have perfect memory and, you know, just kind of having some stuff kind of to the side so you can track everything going on. Um, so it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. She's got something going on. And who knows? Maybe she has a kind of relationship that you can be like, yo, what we're doing here is going painfully slow here. Yeah. But if you're writing it down without sharing it with the person and you use painfully slow, it does feel a little, a little weird. And so that stood out to me what she wrote. Or how she, you know, like how she described things in her writing, not the fact that she was writing. And then my point is proven by Barbara Gordon saying, by the way, I can, I can read what you're writing. Right. Like painfully, painfully slow. That's a rough adverb. That's a yeah. rough adverb. And- I would hate, <laughs> I would, because <laughs> it, it almost, yeah, when I saw that, it kind of felt like, and I, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure that there that therapists get annoyed with patients. Oh, absolutely. But like <sighs> Here's the thing though. Don't if don't put it in writing. If you're getting annoyed, work with that. Okay. Just like I was talking about earlier with not being able to let something go at the end of the day. Where is this coming from? What's coming from me? What's coming from the client? What's coming from other parts of the situation? Is there something about this that we should actually work on and focus on in therapy? It might be appropriate to be like, okay, it, it's feeling this is going painfully slow. Yeah. It, it, it's not the fact, it's not that she can't say that. It's it, writing it almost in a seemingly private way, which by the way, I would never write something down um, around a client that I wouldn't be fully open to them just reading. You know, if they were like, what are you writing? Oh, well, it's right here. It's just helping me track, but you can totally read it. Yeah. Um, you don't want to appear secretive, you know? So, yeah, that kind of stood out to me. 
And then another kind of wording kind of thing. One time she got just like weirdly formal and it just felt like trying to make her sound like a professional. Uh, in, in the issue 20, at one point she said, and are you exhibiting this dangerous behavior? It does sound like, like it does. Yeah, it does. It's it's always funny when they do that. Like when when uh in in books or movies or television shows, wherever it may be, whenever there's like, hey, we need a doctor for this scene. It's like make sure they talk doctor. Make sure they it. talk doctory. <laughs> make sure that they're wearing a nice suit and have a stethoscope around their neck. Like it's it's. <laughs> It's definitely stereotypical, un- unless it's something like House MD, where it's like, look how different he is. He's mean and <laughs> yeah, never yeah. wears a lab coat. Like, it, you know, it's. <laughs> and I approach people more the House MD way, although not to that extreme I by hope any not. means. But, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, here's the thing you might, I I actually talk different with different people sometimes. I mean, I have my natural style, but there are people that are more comfortable with talk to them with the terminology, talk about the different kind of things with the, the, they like the intellectual doctor component and feel more comfortable with that versus other people are very, very uncomfortable with that. And so Barbara might be one of those people who's like, yo, just talk to me like i'm intellectually on your level like a a textbook yeah but the but the whole this dangerous behavior are you exhibiting it i was just like oh that sounds more like what you'd put in a chart or in a book rather than what you'd say to the person in that crisis moment right once again that's nitpicky overall i you get the nitpick though you have you have the doctorate for it you can nitpick there you go i can i can nitpick yeah. yeah overall i thought they did a good job yeah. Also, at some, we're gonna all in in that second issue, we uh the villain in it is the ventriloquist, and we definitely have to come back around and talk about that at some point. Oh, that would um, be a tough one for me, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. Well, ventriloquists are creepy. I mean, I'm sure they're good people, but <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit creepy. So yeah, fair. I find the dolls very creepy myself. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Do we have a mindful nerd moment for today? That's- Let's do it. So what I was thinking was Batgirl is, well, I mean, obviously she's Barbara Gordon with the therapist, but she's talking about a lot of struggles and really seems to be struggling to deal with just the reverberations of everything that has happened. So she has the use of her legs back, but that doesn't fix everything. And probably some of the ability to do things and whatnot might actually be almost triggering for her in some ways. It's all kind of pulling and making her think about all this trauma stuff that went on so what I was thinking is it might be nice to imagine that we're Batgirl and we're doing our Batgirl thing and there's an oddly quiet chunk of time where she can just go to a go to a random park at night in Gotham and she's Batgirl so she doesn't have to worry about being attacked or anything um she just goes to just a random park She takes off her boots for a moment. She sticks her feet into the grass and just appreciating her ability to wiggle her toes in the grass and just taking in her physical abilities that she's gained back. Kind of an appreciative moment because she's got so much of that pain and darkness that's still happening for her. So that's what I would like for us to imagine today. Um, So as per usual, if you can just close your eyes or just not focus on anything in particular in the room and 
take a, a few slow, deep breaths. Just using your breath to help you refocus from whatever's been going on, whatever you've been listening to and thinking about with the podcast. And as you breathe, shift yourself into the mindset of Batgirl. And, and imagine that you're now Batgirl, taking a few deep breaths. As you have come to just a quiet moment in one of Gotham's parks, nothing's going on in the city. It's an oddly quiet night. You take in a few deep breaths and you take off your boots. And you just allow your toes to feel the grass underneath you. And with your slow breaths in and then out, you wiggle your toes. You move your feet, maybe lifting and lowering your heels, moving your arches of your feet, really taking in all those different movements that you weren't able to have a few months ago and noticing how that feels in the cool grass. And you might notice that some, some feelings come up. Some might be expected, like calm or peace. Others might be more of a surprise, maybe pain or anger. And anytime those feelings come up, you gently notice them. You don't push them away, you just notice them. And you let them move by and you refocus on your feet moving in the grass. As you keep moving your feet and your toes, your mind might wander to the trauma that took away this ability. Or you might start thinking about the Joker and feel that anger rise. You might think about revenge or other things. Notice those things. Don't ignore them. Notice it. But then allow it to move on by and refocus yourself back on the coolness of the grass and the movement of your feet and your toes. Now we're just going to take a few last breaths as Batgirl. Breathing in the cool air. Breathing out your breath. Taking one last moment to appreciate the grass underneath your feet and moving in between your toes. And then with your next breath, you're going to breathe in as you. And breathe out, reminding yourself of the room that you're in. We're going to start shifting back. And with that, maybe actually move your own feet and your own toes. Get used to what's underneath your, your feet and toes. Move around a little bit. Just kind of adjust yourself to where you are. And open your eyes back up to finish up the podcast. How was that? It was good. This was one of those, like, I know being mindful, you have to kind of put yourself in your most comfortable position. Mm -hmm. And so I imagined that wherever she was in the park, it was sand and not grass. I have, a, I have a weird thing. I cannot walk barefoot in 
grass. I've stepped on one too many sand spurs <laughs> in my life. Oh, no. And so I never walk around barefoot on grass. I can walk around on the beach just fine. Well, Keaton, that makes me so sad for you. Walking in grass barefoot is one of my favorite things. And there's fire ants out there and no telling what else. And so to each their own. But, but I like how you shifted to sand to make it work for yourself. I shifted, I shifted to sand. Being mindful, it's it's so funny how your mind can just still like mm-hmm. race because I'm like, wait, it's a park in Gotham City, and it's safe, and I'm barefoot. But, and, but it's funny because it still takes it would still take my mind off whatever. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. worried about before, and I'm just like, oh. man, <laughs> this is this is the ideal Gotham right now. Like, I can walk around the park at night and be completely safe. <laughs> and mindfulness is also helpful for attention. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> as focus. as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> Practice makes perfect, Keaton. Yes, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose it does. Yeah. And so, yeah, this was the mindful the mindful nerd moment was good. It's just that I uh, I was a little bit ADHD for this one. <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely was. It's, it's all good. You know, we have days where we're in that mode and we have days where we're not. And the important <laughs> thing is we show up each time. That's right. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. And I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.